All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice, at arm's length, the point. To the line, Hughes, Jones! First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. You're listening to Canucks Conversations. Quinn Hughes here like I don't I will cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks a member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in and down wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now what Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello. 
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com. That will get you $5 off your order anytime on the Zephyr Epic website. They are also available in a retail location in Surrey. Go check them out. Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic. Follow them on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And folks, I told you about promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word. Hockey Season gets you $5 off your order. You can use that in person too. If you go to the retail location, you tell them Canucks Convo sent you and you say I'm using promo code Hockey Season, they will give you $5 off your order. So be sure to do that. They also ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... Well, I've been putting together a little list here. I got some good city names uh, all across Canada. Trying to get away from Ontario. I always seem to go with Ontario parts, but uh, I'm going back to Ontario with this one. All the way from Cranbrook, BC to Cat Lake, Ontario. Cranbrook, BC to Cat Lake, Ontario. Zephyr Epic ships free on any order over $50. So Cranbrook, apparently, from what I've heard, more more Flames fans than Canucks fans in Cranbrook, BC, from what I've heard. Just a rumor on the street. We got some listeners in Cranbrook, so we know there's some Canucks fans there. Cranbrook Bucks, BCHL franchise yes. as well. I had your mic muted. Uh, I'm sorry. Harmon Dial's here too. What'd you say? <laughs> uh, is he from? Uh, is Duncan Keith from Cranbrook as well? I think so, actually. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer. Yeah? I believe is from Cranbrook. Wow. Scott Niedermeyer's kid right now. As well as um, Bowen Byram. Oh. Uh, Penticton. Penticton V's of the BCHL. That team just like stacked with NHL talent, like NHL talents, children, not all of them are NHL talents, but like Arnett's kids there, Nina Meyer's kid. Um, there's other ones too that I'm forgetting, but there's, there's a lot on that team it is great. Anyways, we're talking about Zephyr Epic still. Well, Penticton uh, is uh Penticton V's is basically what, um, what was Kale McCarr's junior team? It's the team in the AJHL. That's like really, like they're a strong team. Something bandits, I think. Brooks bandits, yeah. Yeah. So the Brooks bandits are like Pentit, like that's the Alberta right. version of Penticton. Penticton, they got all that. I'll money. tell you what, 2019-20, Coquitlam Express were the top uh, team yeah, in the no, BCHL. But, yeah, I don't see and they a lot of NHL beat players. Penticton. They beat Penticton. They had an NHL prospect. Massimo Rizzo was on that team, actually. Okay. Seventh round pick of the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's, team and you know what that team was really led by? Clay Stevenson and Net. Okay, you keep you remember that name, Clay Stevenson, playing at Dartmouth right now. Yeah, the Burnaby. No one cares about the Burnaby Box quads. Well, freaking Coquitlam Express, okay, baby. Coquitlam Express. They actually were going to beat Penticton that year. I'm sure of it. They beat them in the regular season matchup. I'm just saying, Coquitlam Express were a great team back then, 2019-20. First year I ever covered a junior hockey team, first and only, thankfully. But uh, I was there at a lot of the games covering them. It was a lot of fun. Now I just go as a fan because I love Ticton V is an absolute powerhouse in the BCHL. We know they've been pumping yeah. out talent for years. Same as the Brooks Bandits. They always have one defenseman, it feels yeah. like, that gets highly drafted. Very similar to the baseball equivalent here in British Columbia of the Langley Blaze. Yes. Langley Blaze, well known, uh, <laughs> well known for pumping out MLB talent. Brett Lowry being one. Kellen Declan. I you know who does one. the 50-50 at Coquitlam Express games? No, who cares? Justin Morneau's dad. Really? Yeah, that's not even a joke. Wow. Like Justin Morneau, the MLB Hall of Famer, his dad is one of the 50-50 guys. Super nice guy. Mm-hmm. I talk to him like every time I go to a game. He's great. Um, sorry, we, we got to get this ad read in here. But we're quickly, also, okay. since we're sticking on baseball for a second, what a travesty 
by the oh. MLB writers. Oh. For, and we'll get to hockey in a second here. But not putting Barry Bonds, what the leading joke. home run. Like, how does he, the guy, all-time leading home run record, Barry Bonds, not getting put into the Hall of Fame? Absolute joke. Absolute David Ortiz, joke. don't get me wrong. Great guy. Loved him. Loved him as a DH. He tested positive in 2004 <laughs> for steroids. Yep. <laughs> I don't think Barry Bonds ever actually tested positive. His head just grew like three sizes. <laughs> and like, he, you know, he did get a lot better at his later age, which didn't make a lot of sense. So he was probably doing steroids. But like, at the same time, he was the best. He still had the best swing I've ever seen. There was a, okay, he was, he was the hitting coach for the Miami Marlins. And you Drama. don't just, you don't just become the hitting coach. Because you took steroids and you're giving all the players steroids. Didn't like, he only last like one year because there was too much drama going on with him in, in Miami? I don't think I don't think that was why he didn't last. But regardless, mm. like he he's a good he's a good baseball player. He deserved to be there. Uh, there was there's a lot of guys in that Hall of Fame that did steroids, and the Baseball Writers of America are absolutely kidding themselves if they think uh, that everybody in that Hall of Fame is a clean track record. Like, oh, give me a break. So yeah, that that is absolutely tragic. Barry Bonds. I don't know if you ever heard Barry Bonds speak. He is like one of the softest. Like most nice, like well spoken individuals I've ever heard speak. Like Jim Rutherford. He's got a little levels. bit of an attitude, though. I think you're missing. Yeah, you might have been too young to really. Pick no, no, up no. I know, but it's Jim Rutherford levels of I could let this guy read me a bedtime story. Okay. Yeah, it's. I think it's. It's. I think it's them just trying to send a message, and that's yeah. why they picked Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. I mean. Roger Clemens, I think he should be a Hall of Famer as well. Uh, his is a little more questionable, I guess. But yeah, I would, how do you I wouldn't keep? How do you keep the guy who hit the most home runs in your league no, it's out joke. of your record books? It's a joke. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Anyways, uh, yeah, do your DoorDash thing here. All right, we're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word. That will get you 25% off and free delivery with your first order with the DoorDash app on your account. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Guadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. We've already gone about almost 10 minutes. We're at the eight-minute mark. Uh, joined by Harmon Dial. We just talked baseball for the first uh, eight minutes, so we'll try to get it back on track here. Harmon, how are you? I'm doing very well. You missed out. Faber and I went to an Italian deli today in North Burnaby. Mm. Chofis. No free ads, but got to give some love to Chofis. I bought a meat that was, I think, eight ninety nine for 100 grams. That's I'll, the most expensive like per 100 gram meat I've ever bought. I I'll think. tell you what. Among all the Italians in there, Faber was the tallest dude in there. <laughs> you get all the short Italian people in there, and you... Uh, you were towering over everybody. Oh, I felt bad. I was taking up so much room in the freaking, <laughs> like in the, what are they called? The little. It's very tight in there. It was tight very little, tight. Yeah, I will say I had to, I was holding up against walls there. There's some cool little Italian snacks, too. And I, I would look down one aisle at one point and I saw all these Italian sodas and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I didn't want to lose my spot in line because it was busy in there. Yep. It was busy and packed in there. And then I was like, oh, but the Italian sodas I wanted to try when I wanted to go down the aisle and uh, try an Italian soda. But uh, yeah, I got, uh, what did I get again? I, I keep forgetting it. You got uh, prosciutto. Prosciutto. Uh, big old thing of prosciutto. I'm excited they for it. imported from Italy. Yeah, I got the real stuff. They had cheap prosciutto for like $2.99 or $3.99. Yeah. Then I saw the one. It was like imported from Italy. Parma prosciutto. 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 And so I was like, that's what I'm getting. I, I got the yeah, expensive stuff. It was stuff. nono approved. It was good stuff. You were... Uh, yeah, he liked it. Yeah, when told you, that. you got good stuff. So let's get to hockey talk. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Spencer Martin getting his first win in a 5-1 victory for the Vancouver Canucks over the Winnipeg Jets. You absolutely love to see it. And I'll talk about Spencer Martin a bit. 
like, but just your overall thoughts on the games. Harmon, we'll start with you. Just your overall thoughts on, I guess, this game and the ones that have happened since you were last the year. Spencer Martin the era Spencer Martin Vancouver. era of Vancouver Canucks hockey. Yeah, it's been really fascinating. And it feels like so much has happened in between, like it all, often does, with guys starting to come back. And, and that's been a positive sign. And I think just a couple takeaways. For one, I think once Martin... You know, just when there when Demko was out, I, I think Martin obviously played really, really well, and, and I just felt so bad for him. Even looking at the Florida game, you have the NHL's best offensive team coming into town, and and Martin plays his absolute heart out, keeps a very shorthanded Canucks team in it, and then they just lose it in, in the shootout. That kind of stung. Um, I, I I think back to the Edmonton game, you have McDavid and Drysaddle just coming at Adam wave after wave, especially in OT where there were about three or four. Uh, chances where there would be McDavid, Drysaddle, Duncan Keith in all alone, and, and Martin was shutting the door. And then, uh, of course, they blew the, the 2-0 lead and, and lost again. And so now for him to finally pick up the win, I, I, I think it's just it's just such a feel-good story. And I think it was interesting after the Edmonton game even to hear uh, Connor McDavid talk about Martin, about playing him in the playing him in the OHL, and McDavid being like, "Yeah, everyone thought that he was going to be a high end yeah. NHL prospect, that he was going to be something special in the show, and maybe it just takes every player a little bit longer to develop and, and find their groove." And, and McDavid said, "Like maybe a break, maybe a guy needs a break," and kind of exactly. touched on that being that situation. <clears throat> exactly, and so he had really, really high praise for Spencer Martin. So he's earned all of it, and I think. It also matters from a big picture perspective going into next season because I think it's clear that Mike Mikey DiPietro has a lot of work to do before he's going to be ready to back up at the NHL level. And I think the last regime was sort of banking on the fact that, okay, we've got Halak for a year. And I think the plan there and having spoken to Jim Benning in the past was, okay, we'll have DiPietro ready for next season. Well, DiPietro's not ready for next season. So now you've got Spencer Martin. There's an opportunity for him to stick with the organization long-term and it's awesome to see him kind of just grasp that opportunity and for him to be the, 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 the type of goalie that he has been, if he can sustain even 75% of this, this type of play um, going forward as a backup at an, at an inexpensive cost, well, that's a real find for a Canucks team that uh, if you're able to get say Demko at, at 5 million and, and Martin for cheap, you have a, really quality goaltending tandem for an inexpensive price, which the Canucks will need because of how much they're spending in a lot of other areas of the roster. Yeah, even just thinking of what they're going to have to pay their backup goalie for this year, next year with the Halak bonus coming in at next year's contract. You're right, and I think it's an interesting spot with Spencer Martin where he hasn't done enough for every team in the NHL to be like, oh, we'd like to see him as our backup. But if you have him here in the organization, he continues to play good in the AHL, and maybe he comes up for another situation or has to play some more games in an emergency spot, or even back up. Like, I think you're feeling, I wouldn't say like super confident, but he's really shown in every situation that he's been given so far this year that he looks competent to be a guy that you might want to trust next year as a very cheap backup anyways. And he's not a 22 year old kid. He kind of feels like a guy who might be able to, like you said, buy a year for a Mikey DiPietro to potentially be ready in that spot in a couple of years now. All right. I'm licking my chops. I'm about to hit the intro. All right. Oh yeah, he, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh, that's a big no no. I don't know. You know, I, I can't really give the time and date, or else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America, right and hit me in the head. We think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender. All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right.
Favor's going to be. Favor's going to be very pissed. So you know, I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. I got to be honest. I'm not used to that intro without hearing the Sportsnet guy go, it's time for goalie talk. Yeah, you say that every time we do the podcast it's, squads. It, it throws me off. It throws me off. Anyways, it is time for goalie talk. Uh, you guys introed it in very nicely, but let's talk a little bit about Spencer Martin's actual technical side and what I've seen from him and kind of what I think is ultimately going to hold him back for now. Uh, and kind of also the improvements. Like I touched on this a little in the last episode, but... You and I talked about it, Chris, like that shuffling is, that he does when the puck is being cycled up high. He didn't come into the year doing that, right? And that's the thing that a lot of goalies are starting to implement into their game around the league is the three-stance system, right? And we see it with uh, with Ian Clark taught goaltenders, and you know that obviously extends to Curtis Sanford as well. But it's the three-stance system of... Every time, everywhere the puck is, there's a different stance for it. And there's three main ones. So if the puck's being cycled up high, there's obviously that very upright stance where you're moving around and shuffling your feet. And, you know, you're able to preserve a lot of energy that way. You're able to kind of see traffic and, you know, react when you need to. But what we see a lot of goaltenders do, and again, not to rag on the poor kid, but Yaroslav Askarov is a good example of somebody who has mainly one stance that only gets wider and wider and wider every time the puck gets closer and that really limits his mobility, even though he's so dynamic and has so much raw talent, much more raw talent than a goalie like Spencer Martin has, right? But doesn't really know how to use it yet. And again, he's a prospect, so hopefully he figures out, but he's a good example of somebody that has one stance that they kind of go to and it never really changes much. But with Spencer Martin, he's really introduced that three stance system. He has introduced Ian Clark and Curtis Sanford have, but He's learned it and he's really bought into it. And again, I played the clip on the last episode of him talking about um, buying into that. And again, something he said on his interview uh, with Kevin Woodley on the Ingle Radio podcast, uh, no free ads, but it was a really good interview. Uh, One thing he talked about is, you know, he's a bit older. So, you know, like career ECHL, AHL guy, it's not easy to come in, have these guys throw a bunch of info at you. And you implement it in your game. It's not easy. And you need to, there's a human element to all this, right? Because goalies don't like to get told you're doing everything wrong and you need to change this, 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 and this. And Curtis Sanford really understands that. I'm going to be speaking with Curtis Sanford soon, but this goes back to Curtis Sanford actually playing in the NHL, playing in the AHL, having goalie coaches throughout the years, including Ian Clark, who tried to show him a lot of stuff. And he knows what it's like to be a player and have someone tell you all this information. So you really need to be cognizant of the fact that these guys are getting a lot of information thrown at them and they're going to have to learn it and believe and implement it at their own pace. And one thing that they've done really well is explaining why we're doing things. And that's something the Canucks really do well with their goaltending department is explain to the goalies not only how to do things, but why we're doing them and why it's going to benefit your game. And we talked about this with Woodley last week on the radio show when we had him on. And it was just basically like I asked him, like, what is the Canucks' goaltending department looked at? around the league like and he was like it's a progressive way of looking at it. you have a former nhl goalie who's basically a disciple of ian clark and curtis sanford down there working with the hl guys and i've heard mikey say this so many times about how you know it's not only about the stuff that sanford's teaching him from ian clark but it's also just about him being a former nhl goaltender and learning you know being able to bounce any question off of sanford because he's been there and done that so that was what willie said it was like they are a very progressive 
goaltending department. It's not just a goalie coach. The goaltending department from AHL up to the NHL. What the Canucks are doing with Ian Clark and Curtis Sanford is top-notch in the NHL for their goalies. If there's one thing this organization has done exceptionally well, and they almost didn't, but they, they did do it, so give them credit, is their goaltending department and how they're keeping it together. Like, Look, Ian Clark was... was not gonna not gonna resign for less than five years. That was always being reported. And giving a goalie coach five years, that's a progressive move. That's not something we see a lot of NHL organizations do, but they invested in that. And also uh, something that, you know, even Woodley mentioned this that doesn't get talked about a lot is they put that investment into Curtis Sanford as a full-time goalie coach in Abbotsford. Like before, not a lot of people know this, but he wasn't a full-time goalie coach in Utica. That wasn't his job. Well, he people like should a- know this, that like AHL goalie coaches a lot of them aren't full-time exactly a lot of them aren't full-time yep, exactly that's crazy to think that there's ahl teams without a full-time goalie coach that's yep. wild oh, well utica was one of those teams right up until this year when they moved to abbotsford they they are really investing in this and you know credit to the ownership group because that's all them doing that that was you know those decisions were made before jim rutherford came on and i guess that kind of segues us perfectly uh into our next topic we'll talk about the return of garland halak and kind of sort out the demco stuff after but jim rutherford obviously has been speaking a lot lately in these new hires Harmon, we touched on the last episode but we're curious to get your um your opinions because obviously last time you and i spoke we didn't know about the Rachel Dory hiring. We didn't know about Emily Castongay as well. Uh, so just your thoughts on all the hirings and everything that's been happening with Jim Rutherford the past week. Yeah, I think it's a really positive development because I remember talking about Jim Rutherford's hiring in the first place and saying he's got such a decorated NHL resume and we know <clears throat> everything that he's capable of. But the key to making this work really well is going to be the people that he surrounds himself with and uh, a diversity of voices where it isn't hopefully an echo chamber where I think it was a little bit of that um, with the last regime. And <clears throat> I think he's, he's done an exceptional job of that adding voices like Rachel Dory and Kasson gay. And, and when I look at this front office group now, there are, there's a wide variety of perspectives, right? Because someone like Kasson gay, she has a lot of experience from the player side and developing players, working with them, understanding their perspective. And we heard her talk a lot about giving players tools and resources to maximize their potential, making them happy. And I think hearing that was so refreshing because I think one of the pitfalls of the last regime was the lack of communication with the players. Because you look back at, say, the 2020 offseason when the Canucks lost every single one of their unrestricted free agents it wasn't only that they lost those guys, but then you heard after the fact, guys like JT Miller in the offseason being like, it came as a shock. Like, that can never happen. You've yeah. got to be able to communicate a plan. Your players have to be confident in the vision your organization sets. And to me, I see Kasson Gay as someone who can really empathize with that player's perspective. And she said a lot of things that reminded me of what Mike Gillis was saying in terms of seeing the organization as having a duty and responsibility of, hey, we have to do everything we can to help these players and and it can't be us versus them and then it, it can't be a disconnect and everyone kind of has to be on the same page there and i think that's something where it'll help make vancouver um more of a a, dest, a destination spot like it was back in the day a decade ago so i really like that hiring obviously rachel dory she's she's just such a smart analyst and yeah, Arm, I, I wanted to just maybe like get you to expand a little bit because i know you've talked a lot with rachel dory worked with her done multiple things you know at least been involved with her in the past few years just what 
what exactly are you most excited for for the Vancouver Canucks with hiring Rachel? Well, the the thing that stands out when you talk to other people around the league is she is really good at the balance between analytics and eye test and understanding how to kind of combine the two where I think one of the biggest barriers with analytics has a lot of times been the way you communicate it and how you turn a bunch of numbers into actual insights that hockey people can understand. And I think that's something that Rachel understands better than almost everybody I've met where she can have conversations with people that are data engineers and, and and she'll be able to understand what the analytics department is doing, but then she'll be able to take all of that information, combine it with her kind of like scouting and coaching background as well. And then she'll be able to go to someone like Jim Rutherford or Patrick Alvin and be able to communicate what matters and why it matters. And I think that's a skill set that is so important because if you want to have an organization where you implement a lot of these you, you do a lot of good work on on the analytics front if you're if your front office people don't understand the value of it if if it's too if it doesn't resonate with them if it sounds too outlandish they're just they're just not going to understand it it's not going to make an actual difference and i think uh, someone like dory can really excel as a conduit as a bridge between um, the analytics people and some of the top level front office decision makers. And so I think that's what I'm kind of most excited about. And she, when you've sort of seen a lot of her public work, whether it's been on her podcasting, she, I think has spoken a lot about things like marketing efficiencies and drafting. And I just think even when you look at her background in terms of what she's done through school, um, she's done her master's in sports science and she's got a bachelor in, in, uh, I believe it's a sport business and she's worked for hockey Canada, the New Jersey Devils, Sudbury Wolves. Like she's done a lot of really good work. And I she's think what, 25 years, she's 25. Old? Yeah. Jeez, it's man. pretty nuts. That's a very bright mind that you would love to have in your organization. Exactly. And so I think that's been, I think that's worked out really well. And then obviously Alvin coming in. I didn't know a lot about Alvin before this because the more digging you would do, the kind of the more you would kind of realize that he's a pretty private, low key, understated type of person. But I think that encapsulates his personality in a lot of ways. Where you know, Dranser and I had uh, the opportunity to write a piece right after he was hired and talk to a bunch of those guys in the Pittsburgh front office with Botterill and Caramanos and uh, Bill Guerin, and all of them talked about the fact that Alvin is decisive with his opinions and he can sort of make strong, strong opinions, but he's also not afraid to walk into a room and say, I'm not well equipped enough knowledge wise to really speak on this. And he, and he always seeks to learn. And even his answer about, he was asked, well, what's the key to scouting? Because he has a scouting background. And he says, learning that the league is always evolving and you have to be humble enough to keep an open mind. Like, those are the exact sorts of things that you love to hear from someone who's going to be in such a key decision-making um, spot because it, it's hard. I don't think people realize how many scouts, and I'm talking not talking about Vancouver specifically, but how many NHL scouts around or, uh, there are around the league who are just absolutely set and stubborn in their ways and don't recognize the league's kind of changed and aren't open at all to sort of changing their perspectives and hearing other people's voices. And so to hear someone like Alvin, he... You come in and say, I want to 
be able to come in and evaluate the pro- the processes of how the amateur scouting department works, of how pro scouting works. And I'm going to be decisive in my, in my decision making, but I'm also going to be constantly evaluating and looking for people with that growth mindset. I think that's fantastic. And it speaks to, I think, an overall organizational philosophy where you're seeing a lot more collaboration. And and I've had the opportunity to to just behind the scenes a little bit to kind of gauge how the atmosphere and the culture has shifted since Rutherford has come in. And you can tell how much more collaborative it is, how much how much more open minded everyone is. And the morale in the front office, I think, behind the scenes is a lot higher. And I think all of this bodes so much better because I think with the last regime, there was a pretty, there there was just too much concentration of power at the top with Jim and John. And I think they would listen to people, but they weren't necessarily really valuing that input a whole lot. Yeah. If I could say what I kind of got the feeling of it was, it feels like a, a good way to make a big call with the organization on whether it be going for a trade, drafting players, whatever you want to set up. There should be like a final decision that's made. A bunch of things should be come together and a final decision could be made. I think the problem was with Jim and John, it just felt like a decision was made. It wasn't like a final decision where everyone comes together, collaborative effort to figure out what the best route is. Felt like there was just decisions being made, no final decisions. And with the process now that's been set up by Jim Rutherford, it's something that Rachel talked about, that Emily talked about, that that Patrick's talked about. Like, sorry to say all the first names, but you guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah. All these people that just been hired. Something that I noticed in all of their conversations of recent, whether it be on 650 or us with the media, it's just like they're all really buying into this plan, right? This plan that yeah. people have been screaming for. Vancouver Canucks fans have just wanted a plan. And you didn't get any of that from the previous regime, but it feels like there is such a plan, a smart plan that's being established by Jim Rutherford that is going to make people want to be involved and make it be a collaborative effort to make decisions together as an organization and use Rachel's analytics or use Patrick's scouting, use all these guys and girls, different, you know, strengths of what they can bring to an organization to make a final decision. That's what I'm excited for moving forward here. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. And I think it's been a complete 180 in a lot of different ways compared to uh, the last regime and I don't want to beat up on them but just the way that things are or things and decisions are being made now and I think behind the scenes there are a lot of changes that are still going to be made in terms of the way say the amateur scouting department works and and their process for scouting players and in, in, in making a lot of these decisions but um, it's I, I'll just say quite simply, I'm a lot more confident in this front office group today than I ever was with the Jim Benning regime. And now it's just up to them to actually execute, of course, right? I think there's a much better system put in place. And so now I'm just kind of curious and excited to see how they execute and make some of these big decisions coming up. Yeah, and I think even the other things that Quads and I spent a lot of time on the midweek episode talking about was certain things that Rutherford talked about, about whether it be the rookie camps coming back or the tournaments coming back, working on the arenas. It was just kind of great to hear all that and the fact that he brought that up. You know, a question didn't need to be asked to Jim Benning or whoever was going to be speaking at the time, maybe even Travis Green. Like, these guys were answering these questions. It just felt like it was so great for Rutherford to just bring it up and have like a list of things because it was like, Oh, this is what they're working on. This is what they want to do as taking up next steps with the organization. So I'm curious and quads. I'll throw it to you since you've been quiet for a little bit here. 
Do you think that there's still a lot more work to be done in the front office here? Like, where are some other spots that you think they can add to? Because I don't think they're done. No, they're I not still done. think that there's certain areas that they can add to. And both of you guys can answer this, but quads, if you want to start, I don't think do anything's. Think? I don't think anything's off limits based on what I've heard from Jim Rutherford and what I've heard again behind the scenes and what Jim Rutherford has also said publicly is that we're not done adding to the front office. And, you know, if there's one thing that this management regime has been criticized, especially in recent years for, uh, is not adding and not really, you know, it seemed like the checkbooks were closed, especially through the pandemic, but it seems like everything's wide open now because again, like let's not forget Jim Rutherford talking about um, arena upgrades all of a sudden and facility upgrades that we haven't heard talked about. Like I said, since Mike Gillis was the GM of this hockey club. So I think, the ownership group, whether that be because Jim Benning was the GM for eight years and they saw that the the damage that that had on the organization's morale and everything that it took uh, by the end of it and the mess that's now having to be cleaned up, I don't know if they realize the value in like investing in your players and you know investing in in stuff like arena upgrades and that sort of thing, facilities for your players to actually use. Um, I don't know if they are seeing the value again and they're being sold on it by Jim Rutherford. But whatever it is, it looks once again like this ownership group is ready to start paying where they should be for this team. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see specifically what kind of happens with the amateur scouting department because the clubs had their amateur scouting meetings this week and Derek Clancy has been kind of running those and, and been heavily involved. And I think he's been absorbing a lot in terms of the way the way certain scouts work and how collectively they come to make decisions and build a draft board and we heard him in uh in his interview with with Drancer talk about the fact that they want to change how things are are run in the front office and i think that definitely extends to the way the pro and amateur scouting bodies sort of function and even even as simply as is things like identifying what Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin want what type of player types they want the the Canucks to target and what attributes they really emphasize and, and value in, in 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 targeting players on both the amateur and, and pro scouting side and I think when you look at the amateur scouting department there are a lot of talented people that are there but there are there are there's also quite a bit of I think improvement that that could be um, you know, that there's room for that behind the scenes. And, and you hear that from people and especially with Judd Brackett's departure. I mean, when Judd Brackett was around, that was the one era, one sort of era where the Canucks drafted really well. And I think since then, when you look at the, and obviously it's really early to look back at some of this, at something like the 2020 draft class, but some like Yoni Yermo, their, their top pick hasn't really been trending well. And, and obviously they lacked top picks as well, but I think there could be an opportunity. I'm interested to see how Alvin comes in and and sits down with Clancy and Rutherford and how they look at the scouting department because, you know, I, I'm curious to see if they make substantial changes in personnel there. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll touch on a few more things on the other side. We've got the return of Connor Garland, Halak, and sort of Demko. Going to give some JT Miller trade proposals. Yeah, I was going to say, we're talking draft picks here. We might have some more first-rounders to yep. talk about. We're going to have some bit. stuff to talk yeah, about. Well, I, I sent out the text last night to you guys. I said, let's come up with a trade proposal for JT Miller and what we think might be able to get uh, a return for the Vancouver Canucks. I know Harmon had uh, 
Adam Fox in there. He had the, <laughs> you know the Mark Messier leadership <laughs> award being taken down. Like the that ninety four cup banner. Yeah, yeah, all that. So so Harm's got that in his trade uh, <laughs> proposal here. But I got a fun one. Quads, I know you got one too. We'll uh, we'll get to that on the other side. I think that's going to be a fun part of the episode. But yeah, we're going to talk about the players returning uh, from COVID, what it looks like, and we saw Thatcher Demko on the ice Friday morning. That was really good at practice for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get into all of that as well as the JT Miller proposals. A little bit of a prospects port. Uh, we'll do that, uh, but first let's throw a quick ad break and uh, continue on the other side. And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout out to Parallel Forty Nine Brewing. You guys can find Parallel Forty Nine beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now, we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack, featuring four of the P Forty Nine favorites: the Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerk Face Nine Thousand, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there the jerk face 9000 the pink can something good about those cans there parallel 49 so go out and try them you can find them in most liquor stores across bc and alberta and a massive thank you to parallel 49 brewing company of course all of our sponsors here at the Connect conversation podcast folks if you want to advertise with us shoot us a dm on twitter uh, both of our DMs are open uh, or the Canucks Convo account. Shoot us a DM. We'd love to advertise with you. So shoot us a message uh, at Canucks Convo. It'll be a good sponsor. Is something I want to bring up here. A water sponsor. You know, like uh, what are some water sponsors? Avion, Dasani, all that stuff. I, so I was curious because I, I normally fill up water here and I just use the, the sink in the bathroom that we have here in the studio. That's fine with me. I'm not picky with it, but I do love like... At my girlfriend's place, I got the Brita, nice, good, fresh water nice, on the Brita. Nice. Keep it in the fridge. At Sportsnet 650, oh, oh. man, that water, it cl- it's got a, what's the blue? UV, UV yeah, light. it's got a UV light that shines into your bottle, cleans your bottle while it gives you ice cold water. It's so good. It's the best. How picky are you guys with your water? Well, once Curious. I had Sportsnet 650 water. Oh, oh my gosh. Good. That's the best thing they have at it that is whole top studio. top-notch water. Like, you know, and you don't even have to. It's a. It's like a touchless water filler, like yeah. water bottle filler. Oh, it's awesome. It's the yeah. best part. I'm not picking my water though. Your I think the tap guy, water you're fine with the great. tap water. Tap water here is great. I, I like you harm because I know you're, you put some smoothie smoothie <laughs> water. You got any of that going? Uh, I'm. I'd say I'm kind of in the middle. Not too picky. Mostly at home we have filtered water, mm-hmm. but like I'm from not the fridge opposed. or what's the deal? It's. I don't know how. It, it's just some filter. Uh, it's not from the fridge. I don't know how it works. My parents set it up, but um, it uh, it's like a separate tap. Oh, it's like one the, of those things on the sink. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So oh. it's uh, those are I think, fancy. I like those. Yeah, I think it's from like Home Depot or something. So um, most of my water is from there. But I'm not opposed to if I'm in a rush, just like grabbing tap water. And I will say this: Vancouver has relative to other cities, really, really good tap water because I've gone to some other, and I can't even remember which ones off the top of my head, but other cities. You, you try some of their tap water, it's just like, oh, it's awful. But Vancouver has it has it pretty well, and so, yeah, I'm not too picky. Yeah, you got the Vegas water. You start stumbling after a few. Vegas months. wasn't too bad, actually. <laughs> Vegas water. Okay. <laughs> Chris said, uh, you know that when I was 20, maybe this, when I was your guys' age, I don't know if they still call it this, but Vegas water, do you know, that's like a drink. No. No. So when I was a kid, Vegas water was uh, Red Bull and vodka. was like if you ordered... You could order just like a Vegas water at the bar. I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but it was Red Bull vodka mix and mm. it was very good. 
But I just thought, funny, Vegas water, <laughs> Red Bull vodka. It makes a lot of sense. So when you came in, you, after break, you went to the bathroom and you said, hey, I got some non-hockey stuff. Was that it? That was it. I wanted oh, like Because I filled up my tap water. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Gotcha. My tap water there. I just had such a perfect transition that you didn't even know that's what I was talking no, about. No, that was really that was really good. I was about to set you up for your non-hockey talk. But Big radio guy here. I know what, uh, know what I'm doing. Big radio guy. Absolutely. Here. All right. Let's get to it now. Uh, the return of Connor Garland, Yaroslav Halak, and sort of Demko again. Demko skated this week uh, before the main group. Again, he skated while he was still in protocol. That's what Bruce Boudreau said. He skated with guys who were also in protocol, so he was allowed to do that. I don't even... What rules, a mess it is. Yeah, right? the rules make no sense. Whatever. We're not going to start talking about him again, but Demko was allowed to skate, and he did. So Garland was down in the States skating yeah. with his old skating coach, was it? I think Murph yeah. had that story yeah, uh, yeah. on the broadcast on Thursday. Yeah, the rules make a lot of sense, folks. Um, <laughs> anyways... Um, so Demko was on the ice for full practice this morning. We're recording this on Friday morning. So Saturday, keep an eye on maybe him getting a start. But guys, like Yaroslav Halak was available for that game Backed against up. Winnipeg. He was backing up. I think that that was a combination of Halak not having played for a bit, but also that Martin was playing pretty well. Like they were happy with Martin. Not, what about the 10 games? You know, think about that. That, that maybe that too, but that's in there. It, like, does it benefit this organization more right now? to have Spencer Martin backing up because I wasn't convinced, but in terms of that 10 game thing, like I think if you can trade Yaroslav Halak, I think you do it now because I wasn't sold on Spencer Martin before, but I'm getting there now that he can be an competent NHL backup. If he, if Halak didn't have the no move, you would 100% send him down to the AHL right now. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Try and avoid the bonus ride Martin. If Martin sucks in the next few weeks, then you can call up a lack and think, you know, we tried. We'll pay the money now. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here with Halak because I know that there's still rumblings. They're worried. Like, that's a good size cap hit on, on a team yeah. that, you know, is already. I wonder about the situation, too, because we saw that Jake Vertanen is going to be. Sorry, you got you to help me here because I'm not going to follow. Is, is he going to be charged or he's going he to be. He has been charged. Yes. Okay, he has he officially has been, been charged. charged. He has to defend himself in court. He is going to defend himself in court. Okay. My understanding is he's going to plead not guilty. All I know about the situation is he hasn't played in the KHL since January 6th. Yeah. So. He's he's due to appear in court next okay. month. So. Uh, Vancouver court. So Good. Um, Hopefully justice is served there and feel bad for the. The victim, of course, of what yeah. she's had to deal with for, what was it? This, this happened in 2017? I believe so, yeah. She's now 23 years old. Brutal. Uh, the victim. So, yeah. I hope, I hope uh, justice is served there, and I hope that the victim can maybe find some peace. If anything, if a little bit of peace from from what happens here with this uh, court case. But what I meant for the hockey version, hockey stuff coming out of this is I wonder what that does for the um, buyout situation. With the cap hit for Jake Vertanen. That is interesting. And you know who we're going to have, hopefully on the show again soon, yes. uh, is Chris Gear, And that is somebody that will be able to answer Absolutely, that. Absolutely, because they're going to have that. They're going to have the Holtby deal that's more money this next year. Long goes off the books next year. Yeah, but it's like you're replacing yeah, it with bios and, and, and yeah. a bonus. Yeah. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? That's right. That has two meanings. This Harmon uh, astutely pointed out as he showed up to the studio today. Uh, thank you, Jim. To Jim Rutherford now, because it, it, it actually, a lot of people are saying thank you, Jim, for getting this sh- show back on track. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're trying to say another word to start with that stage <laughs> there. But uh, I think um, just to look at the goaltending situation, yeah, it's going to be, 
it was weird to see Halak come back and not get in the games. But I mean, there's a lot of things behind the scenes I think that could make that happen. But as for the other guys, like JT Miller, obviously joined the team as well. That was crazy. Scores a hat trick coming back two games into his return, I guess. But Garland coming back really just you know getting Miller and Garland back into the lineup. God, it makes the top six feel so much better. Like it felt like an actual top six. You didn't have, you know, the, the high more, uh, Mott Lamico line having to play second line minutes the other night. It was so nice to see what a top six actually looks like. And they're still missing Bo Horvat. So when that line comes back, you know, or when, when you get Horvat back, you're basically putting one of your top six players who you look at the players that are all in the top six right now for the Canucks. They're all top six players, right? Like all of them could be top six players. I know people could say about Pod Colson or Huglander that they aren't. I think they both are. But everyone that I see in the top six for the Canucks right now feels like a top six player. And then you're also going to be adding Tanner Pierce. You're adding Bo Horvat. You're going to have that line that goes down to being a fourth line like they should with the Mott Lamico line. Then it's like this roster starts to get really good again. Like they've been playing pretty strong without while missing quite a bit of their really important pieces. You mean you don't like Yoho Lamico? On the ice for three on three OT. Yeah, you, you mean to tell you mean to tell me that's a little disappointing. What did they have? They got power play time the other day. They were just, they like Bruce just like he's like hey PP two just stay. I'm gonna throw out that uh, that mod line for the power play. He got like a good forty seconds on the phone. Bruce loves that line. He does love that line, and that would they be great. matched up against McDavid. If he loves that line in the fourth line role. Everybody's gonna love that. Love that line when they're in a fourth line role. I can't wait for them to be back in that. Against it's second line minutes, because right now. no, that's against, the thing. They're so good at a fourth. They're such a good fourth line. They're just not a great second line. Against, no, against Edmonton, they were the first line because yeah, after true. the first period, Lamico led all centers in ice time. That's he imagine, more than Miller and Patterson. Imagine if EA Sports updates NHL 22, the rosters and the lineups, and you like go to play as the Canucks, and your starting first line is Yuho Lamico with Mott and Heimel. Well, you can check wings. daily face-off line combinations and see what's going on there. That's so I mean, funny. we're talking about Spencer Spencer Martin being worth all these first-round picks for Edmonton. I mean, Yuho Lamico, elite first-line defensive center, matches up against McDavid. He keeps him off the score sheet yeah. and regulation. Tell you what, who won the Yolevi trade, eh? Oh, oh my god, oh. they won that the minute they got rid of Ollie Yolevi. Oh, Ollie Yolevi's not an NHL player. I'm so tired of this. I'm not even gonna Somebody start. would pick him up if he hit waivers, so I'll tell you that. I still know I would win that bet. Oh, that's right. I forgot we had a do I win the bet then? Well you never hit waivers. We never hit waivers. Okay, fine. He, I bet both of you, year, didn't though. I? I bet both of you. I think Were you in on this? I, no, I was in no, on He was in on one bet. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Oh, what was that there bet? There was some bet we had. Oh yeah, there, I can't remember. Now that we're talking about it, though, I'm pretty sure I was the one that was wrong right I, you now. Know, I, I'm, I think I I'm might gonna, have a note about this. <laughs> I've got a bet with Tom, Thomas Drantz, and J.D. Burke uh, that Jaroslav Halak would have an under 910 or 905 save percentage this season. Looking rough for your boy. That's not good. <laughs> Hopefully he gets traded to like Edmonton or something that <laughs> like, doesn't do well. But I like Jaroslav Halak. I was wrong about him, so I, I can I can be a bigger man and say that. Um but I have to take those guys out for dinner. Yeah, I don't think I have anything in the notes. Yeah, here. I got nothing. We'll have to go back because I, I, I'm almost certain we won that bet. Harmon's going yeah. to be listening every old episode of Canucks <laughs> combo yeah. fully through. See all these working. views on like episode 140 <laughs> and 150. And oh, man. And boys, don't look now. But Elias Pettersson, five goals in six games. Elias Pettersson, so hot right now. Yeah. Got a real good opportunity yesterday. Is it Neil Pionk? Yeah, great name. Uh, he, he was he, well, he banged up his ankle yeah, on the shot yesterday. So shot. much room yeah. for Pedersen to walk in and just you know he he that was the Pedersen shot where it's the one where he shoots it so damn hard and so damn accurate that it like it just sticks in the back of the yeah. net somewhere. Like yeah. that was 
pure PD magic and last night seeing thing. that goal. And then, like you said, fifth goal in six games, is it? That's, I mean, this is what you want. When we're talking about, you know, when we saw the first game where you had those two goals and it felt like, oh, is PD back now? Five goals in six games. This is definitely a step in the right direction of him being back. And that's the thing. When I was reluctant to say, oh, yeah, PD's back, PD's back, it was because the goals he was scoring, they were goals, so they count just the same. But PD being back isn't PD banking a backhand shot off of a goalie. Like, PD being back is uh, having a catch and release like he did in that game. Uh, last night against Winnipeg, where he just catches the puck, corrals it with ease, and just rips it. Just absolutely rips it top shelf. That's that's PD being back. I think that second goal, actually, the banking it off was PD being PD, just because he outfoxed and like had the presence of mind to bank it in off the goalie and the confidence to try that instead of just making a normal play. That's fair. But yeah, I agree with the overall point in that after, after that two-goal performance, it was like a, that's nice, but... He's not back yet until he's able to sustain it for multiple games, which he clearly has been able to do now. And I would even call it sustaining it through games because there's still a lot of fumbles, like a lot of fumbles on the stick of PD. And you know what? He's going to try things where he is going to fumble the puck a lot. But I still think that we're seeing not a lot of confidence when handling the puck like we've seen from Pedersen in the past. When he's like really going right now, it feels like his shot is getting back to the point of what you'd like to see. But I still think the puck handling isn't 100% there yet. It just feels like something still just like a millisecond, like a half second off. There have been games where I've been really, really impressed by his handles and the plays he's been making through high traffic and the ambitious sorts of plays where it's like if you turn the puck over here, you're screwed in your own end. And but PD's had the confidence to sort of make the dangles and make plays regardless. I think that to me speaks to um, a confidence level that is continuing to grow. And, and like you said, some of that fine tuning is still required, but I'm just glad he has the confidence to be trying some of those plays in high traffic in the first place. I, I agree with you at the, the points like that, where he is in high traffic trying to make a move. For me, it's the simple not receiving a puck. Right. right? Like yeah, those are the things sense. that I think he's still making errors on when handling the puck. But Things are definitely turning around at this point. Like, I'm confident in saying that I'm not saying that he's 100% back, but we're definitely on the steps towards him getting back to being, you know, the potent scorer that he can be. Five goals in six games. You can't really argue with that. Yeah, absolutely. Reverse retros are coming back. Yeah. What's your guys' like wild I'm, thought about like what's the cool jersey retro that you would want? Because listen, they ain't going back to that sprite can. That's a no, thousand percent no. sure. There's no chance the sprite can can come back next I year. think we're seeing the flying V come back. I think that's the next one that they're going to bring back, right? Yeah. Like, what else are they going to do? We've seen the flying V in warmups, right? It's a nice opportunity for them to go with the black, right? Like, they don't look like I, I know that with the sprite can, it was a Ugh. retro jersey that they changed the color scheme of, but they don't necessarily have to do that with the flying V. They can redesign the flying V and keep the black. Right, like they can keep the black pants. They can, uh, even though I, I think when those jerseys were actually worn, it was yellow pants. But they could keep, uh, you know, they could go yellow if they wanted to. There's no nothing in the rules of the reverse retros that say you have to put your current team's color scheme on. Like you look at what the Hurricanes did, right? Like they just wore old Hartford Whalers jerseys and they looked fantastic. So you don't reinvent one of those old jerseys again. They're gonna wear the black skate this year. It hasn't been confirmed. Like it hasn't been announced yet but they did say look forward to exciting announcements about it's it. it's gonna happen it's gonna happen they're gonna wear the black skate this year which is great fans love it but for reverse retro they could go back to the black skate but i don't think that's what they're gonna do they're gonna no. drop a new jersey right and th that new jersey i think 
the opportunity is there for the flying V to be kind of reworked. But I don't know. Like, do you got what jerseys do you think? Because again, like, uh, there's going to be an article dropping soon on CanucksArmy.com from Noah Strang uh, about some redesign options of those of those uniforms. And you know, he's not going to do mock-ups or anything, but the ideas are going to be out there. And I'm curious to get your guys' I thoughts. I personally think for the reverse retro next year. So one of these jerseys I like, one of them I don't like. But I think we're going to see the like maroon or salmon colors. Like I either think it's going to be the millionaire's color or it's going to be like the, the West coast express maroon Jersey, like the, the salmon kind yeah, of yeah, color yeah, with yeah. the fade. I think that that's what I'd like to see. Wasn't the Sprite can already a reverse retro of that gradient? No, of the West so, coast? so I think similar like look, I think you're right. He's, he's talking about that, but I thought you were talking about the salmon Oh, of the 94 era. So, oh, do you mean... Oh, right. No, so I'm talking about the what... Like, what Harm said, the, okay, yeah. the ski... I guess, like, the the shape of that, that same jersey, but not using that. Just using the colors from that, too. Like, okay, using the colors from oh, the West Coast Express. Right, okay. But they can go in the direction of whether it just be the Orca that they want to go to or just yeah. have that jersey for colors. I think they're going to use the colors of, like, maroon salmon color and kind of mix it up that's something i'd like to see i've seen some floated around that look really good with the black and yellow and i think that's all great johnny canuck on the front it looks fine but like this one is just like a one-off like to me this is like the what do what they call them in the nba like the city the city yeah, jerseys yeah, yeah. or whatever right, yeah like i'd like to or they called the town no, that's maybe just what whatever. uh that's just what golden state golden state says yeah but like the city jerseys like i think that would be the way that i would like to lean because you're going to get the black skate jersey next year you're going to get yeah. it this year so I don't think you want to go black and yeah. there. I'd like to see them go with, and I hate, I don't like, like <laughs> maybe this is a bad take. Cause I know a lot of people really like it, but I hate the millionaire's color. I hate the millionaire's Jersey. Yep, I, I hate the, the beige and the, and the maroon. I think it looks horrible. Yeah, I agree. It's not a color I would ever wear, but I, I seem to see a lot of people like that Jersey. And when that Jersey did get used the one year, like people loved it. People ate that Jersey. They, yeah. I've still see people wearing that Jersey at games. I just, I think it's the worst one. I think it's kind of cool. I, I dislike it. What the only do you good think thing that came arm? out of that jersey is uh, Luongo's pads for it mm. and uh, John Tortorella's jacket. Oh, the jacket was unreal. Yeah, J- jacket was incredible. The jackets in general for these coaches in these like Winter Classic yeah. or Heritage games, oh, those varsities, they look so they're, good. They're so sick. Harmon and I are going to get So, Harm, if I ask you a question, I'm going to give you three options. What do you think we see for the retro? Do you think it's going to be some sort of blue and green? Uh, black and yellow, red sort of thing, or do you think the maroon color? Where do you think the the retro next year is going to be? Well, I don't know what it's going to be because I, I haven't really done the digging on that. But in terms of what I, yeah, what would you like? What would I like? I think most likely something more of what Quads was kind of saying. I think color scheme wise is what what I'd sort of imagine is more likely. So that's kind of where I lean. If they want to go wild with it. To me, bring back the mustard. I got the mustard jersey. Go yellow. Uh, go no, yellow. I like no. that. I can get I on board with that. You guys like the yellow? This is so funny because Chris and I are like, oh, the billionaire jerseys are disgusting. We're like, yeah, mustard yellow. the mustard. <laughs> uh, Post-it note yellow. Mustard on watermelon. <laughs> yeah, do that. Pink pants, yellow jersey. Yeah, like an oh, EA, EA Sports uh, custom-made jersey. <laughs> oh, ESHL. man. If they, just, <laughs> if they just DM you one day and you like, Keep it from both of us, and as they drop the jersey, it's you wearing it with like pink board shorts and yeah, a yellow jersey. You know how they did that a couple of years ago with a bunch of people, like yeah. in media and fans and stuff. I'd like oh, to be, man. be one of the models. I've modeled in the past. I've uh, used to be a hat model back in my day for the VI Raiders. You under the Lionsgate Bridge, like leaning on it or whatever. Yeah. Oh man, wearing all mustard top <laughs> to bottom. 
eating watermelon on mustard in your hand. Speaking of uh, modeling, when the hell are we going to see those pictures I in know. Sportsnet, man? I keep telling people I modeled once and yeah. I don't have any proof of it. I saw, those pictures looked so good. We had a little bit yeah. of makeup on. I, I felt confident. Oh, man. Yeah, you said you wore the makeup for a day. You I wore went, the rest I, of the day. Yeah, I went to the mall in my suit and my makeup. I right. thought it was great. Yeah, I went to Costco that day. Mm, had a nice. Polish dog. Anyway, it's kind of pissed off. I want to see those. Those pictures turned out good. The funniest part was still, like, you know, the Donnie and Dolly thing that everyone sees the tweet oh go around. Gosh, they go back yeah. to back. When I asked the photographer, like, wh- he's like, all right, guys, like, have fun with it. Have fun with it. Like, hey, we're going to go back to back. I said it to him. He's like, no, you're not. Yeah, he's like, I don't shoot he's back like, to I don't back. shoot back to backs. And we're like, okay, we were like trying to do like a Donnie and Dolly joke thing. He was yeah. not having any of it. And, uh, you know, we're a similar height difference between Donnie yeah. and Dolly, too. I exactly. Think. Rick might get back. He at also thought that. it was funny. Like, I thought it was funny when there was just like there's points where he was telling he's like make love to the camera and I was I was giving the camera all I got I was like I was so uncomfortable I honestly like I don't think people think of modeling as a difficult job but like okay stop no I feel no seriously <laughs> actual models not us I'm not trying to say it was hard for us but I'm saying like actual models like that's uncomfortable having a photographer like yell at you be like oh yeah Work it like that's I li- uncomfortable. I, I thought I was. I thought I liked. I thought I did a pretty good job about it. I don't know. I w- I feel like I'm not, I, I'm not good lo- like good enough looking to be a model, but I if but I got the <laughs> the chops to do it. You know, that's fair. All right. I, I, uh, I, I, should, should we get back on track? Here? Let's do this Miller thing. What else do you yeah. got on there? Miller. That's it. We're gonna close it out here. Uh, Miller's oh, trade value. Baby. We put together. So I got my, I got all my Miller's phone ready trade to go. value is through the roof, folks. Through the absolute roof. So. JT Miller, we've worked on some trade proposals of what we can come up with. I'll go first. Mine is with the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, God. Uh, oh I God. think the Canucks could send them Spencer Martin, Tyler Myers, and JT Miller for Connor McDavid. No, stop. Tyson Berry. Give us a real okay, move on. Nico Koskinen. All right, over. Done. And a first-round pick. Okay, and one done. of the sweets from the Nation Network studio. Yes, exactly. This is ridiculous. And yeah. Sweet 97 comes okay. with Connor McDavid. Okay, check. All right. Is, do right. you have a serious yeah, one? Do you have a you guys one? go first. I'll go oh, okay. serious one. Goodness gracious. Um, okay, I've got a one for one. One for one. One for one. Damn, y'all didn't do a lot of... I got like 50%, got a one like for 25% one. retained. I got draft picks. The no, 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 no. This is a straight one for one. And if it and if the offer requires other pieces, then, then we'll reconsider. But one for one, JT Miller for Lexi Lafreniere. Straight wow. across. You think it's enough? It might not be be enough. I'd be willing to sort of add to that proposal potentially, and the Rangers might move Georgiev. So if they do move him and they need another backup, well, then maybe Halak could be someone who goes back, and, and there are other sort of pieces to consider there. But the reason I think Lafreniere is so important to kind of pursue, if you can, is ultimately I think when you look at these players, when you're trading away a player of... JT Miller's caliber, the when you look at the package coming back and whether it's a successful trade, it's almost always the actual prospect you get rather than the picks that determines whether or not you win that trade, right? Like mm. you look at the Ryan O'Reilly trade and the Sabres got five assets, right? They got a first round pick, a second round pick, Tage Thompson, Vladimir Sabotka, uh, and then the, the Patrick Berglund as well. Well, that trade looked like an absolute bust until this year where Tage Thompson is broken out and is scoring at a 28 goal 60 point pace so that prospect again was the kicker the key to making that deal at least now more palatable for the Sabres you look at the Eric Carlson trade right for the Senators 
they got back Josh Norris, who's now a top six center for them, right? And um, and conversely, you look at, say, Ottawa trading away Mark Stone. The reason that trade's been a flop for them is because Brandstrom turned into yeah. nothing. Yeah. And so I think when you're looking at trading away a player of Miller's caliber, and, and if you're in the Canucks situation, this is going to be a quicker retool as opposed to a really long-term term rebuild. And so that means three to four years from now, you ideally need a piece that's providing similar NHL value as JT Miller. And so that's a tall order. And that means you need to sort of aim high in terms of your upside. And that's where you look at, I look at pieces like I like Braden Schneider, but Lafreniere's upside is so much higher. And obviously Lafreniere, he struggled. And I think that's why even, even when you sort of, see a lot of the discussion around the Rangers recently he's been there's been controversy about the lack of minutes and I've seen some blog posts saying oh the Rangers might have to trade Lafreniere things of that nature so it's not as if he's in an untouchable piece and I've seen Rangers fans float his name around in Chitrin trades too yeah no exactly and so the fact and a lot of people might say well you're putting all your eggs into that one basket well that's a basket that I I'm rolling that dice any day um, of the week because his rookie season, he puts up eight, he scored at an 18 goal, 31 point pace. You look at someone like Leon Drysettle at 18, right? Drysettle nine points in 37 games as a draft plus one player. Mm. He didn't produce at all. Lafreniere just turned 20. He's so young. And you look at JT Miller when he was mm. the exact same age as Lafreniere, four points in 26 games in the NHL. Bo Horvat only had 25 points in 68 games in, in his own. Um, draft plus two season and the Rangers keep in mind this too they've been one of the NHL's worst teams at developing prospects and I think when you look at um, Emily Kesselgay and obviously she was the one that represented Lafreniere no one's going to know Lafreniere better and whether he's capable of hitting that ceiling than Emily that's and, a really good point. And she's going and to know you, just, how to unlock yeah. his potential and to just to add to that like you look at the Metro all three teams right now who are recording this with 60 points with the, the hurricanes, the penguins and the Rangers. And like, we like, we've all seen that like pretty much the East seems to be already settled. Like the, the team that's just on the outside of the playoffs right now is the Detroit Red Wings. And they're like nine points out. So like, we know the eight teams that are going in, the Rangers likely want to add right now and catch this fire that they've had from good goaltending and knowing that they're getting good goaltending this year, I think the Rangers, this is why they're talked about so much as a place to buy, to, to be big buyers and to get JT Miller who fits in their lineup. They need to go kind of, they don't need to go all in this year, but it is feels like a time where they could very and, easily. And the other thing too, is when you look at say an alternative type of package where it's like a first round pick and Braden Schneider, it's like, yeah, that's a decent package, but that first round pick, if it's this year, is going to be late. Yeah. And Schneider probably tops out as a number four defenseman, which would be a really nice piece to add because he's a right-handed D. The thing is, he's going to play with Hughes and be a top guy here. But that yeah. that's not how you can value him. Yeah, you have and, to value him as what he is. And and with with Lafreniere, there's star potential there. So for me, that's that's what I'd be. Again, especially because you got Kassongay. She's going to know how to extract the most out of him. Nobody in hockey knows more about Alexi Lafreniere yeah. than she does. Really good point. Well, I don't really want to follow that up because mine's a New York Rangers. Yeah, well, if you got well. a, you got a, I got a different team, so you might as well do your Rangers. Well, first. mine, I've got Miller fifty percent retained. So I guess I want to pose the question to Harmon. Right, I'd have to mine. retain. I'd probably have to retain to make that trade. I was going to say, go. I was just going to say because because you were talking about how oh maybe the Canucks have to throw in more or anything like that. Yeah. If the Canucks are retaining fifty percent, and remember that's this year and next, 
Like, that is a really good deal for the Rangers. Again, because like you said, Chris, they're getting really good goaltending right now. Like, I don't think people understand just how good Shesterkin's been this year. Like, he has been a top-notch goaltender behind not a great Rangers defense. So... I really like that trade idea. And again, retaining 50%, that's a ton of value that the Rangers are getting. Yeah, and retaining, yeah, 100%. I'm always down to retain salary to to sweeten the pot. Here's what I'd do as well. I'd pay another team, say like, if you're you're able to get a a piece like Lafreniere back, I'd be willing to throw in a mid-round pick to launder him through another team that retains a further, say like 25%. And then you've got, the Rangers would would get JT Miller at, it's somewhere around 1.3 million at a 1.3 million cap it at that point at that point it's like you've sweetened the pot pretty nicely yeah. that's a legit offer that's yeah so all right this is where having smart minds in your front office would be great like now that this is not like how many times have we talk about just weaponizing cap space with jim benning and things couldn't happen you have some confidence that maybe this could happen I, now with some of some of these people in the front office i have a question did Jim Benning ever make a trade where he retained salary at any point over the eight years that he was here? Did the Canucks ever? OEL? <laughs> no, that's Arizona retaining right. oh, salary. Okay. I thought, yeah. I'm not talking about getting another team to retain salary. I'm asking, has Jim Benning ever made a trade in his life as a general manager where he retained salary? Because I can't think of any. I cannot think of one trade where the Canucks retained salary. Was Jordy Ben... Yeah, I was thinking a little I bit of... I was thinking Jordy ben, ben might be... I can't remember, like though. Like a 20% retained or something. Whatever it is. You get my point. Uh, there was probably a minor retention in there somewhere, right? Maybe <laughs> right? <laughs> crack There had to be one. I, I, I like the idea that, that uh, the Canucks front office just didn't know that existed during Jim Benning's tenure. They were like, no, 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 we can't do that. That's, that's voodoo. We can't do that. Anyways, my trade proposal. A lot worse than Harmon's, but JT Miller uh, for... Braden Schneider, and then a guy like uh, a Brendan Ottman, again, is someone that I kind of look at. Again, and Nils Lundqvist is another guy that I kind of have an eye on. But I think all, all in all, I want that 22 uh, first-round pick. And then the guy I was actually looking at was like Ryder Korzak, who's still in the WHL, or uh, Morgan Barron is another one. And these are two centers, right? And Morgan Barron, again, he's like a huge center. And again, I was just, I was just kind of poking a little bit of fun at the last management regime as I target like a huge center. Six foot four, 220, playing in Hartford right now. Again, physically dominates at the center ice position. Like, I really like Morgan Barron. So, again, that was the guy I kind of look at because, I again, I look at a guy like Yuho Lamico and I wonder, okay, how much longer is he going to be here? And, again, this is a guy you can put in Abbotsford right away. Not only improves your AHL product, but, again, just kind of adds to your center depth, which is where somewhere uh, the Canucks are struggling a little bit. And, again, uh, Braden Schneider is that right-handed guy. Sorry, I didn't listen to that at all. But I did find a retained trade from... The Vancouver Canucks wasn't Jordy Ben, it was Michael Delzato. I figured there had ah. to be one. He was traded to the Ducks. The Canucks retained twenty five percent, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Crazy to think uh, Delzato was making two point two five million dollars. I believe that was for Luke Shen, was it not? That was for Luke Shen and the seventh round pick that ended up becoming Victor Pearson. Wow, won that trade. Yeah, they won that trade. Big dub. They sure did. Yeah. I mean, Luke Shen's still here. Sorry, maybe you can expand on your... uh, Did you already expand on your trade there? I did, Chris, yeah. Okay. (laughs) What do you think of it, Harm? (laughs) It's not bad. I think the one thing I would say is if you're targeting a first-round pick, I would much rather target their 2023 first-round pick. Mm. Because here's the thing, and this is is what I think more and more teams should do, and Dranston and I have have had this discussion a lot of times, bet against teams that 
you think will fall will fall off. Basically, do what San what Ottawa basically yeah. did with San Jose, yeah. right? Where you have this contending team, and instead of taking their first round pick in a year where you know they're going to be picking late, just just bet on them to to to. Be, to, to be Just worse to next worse. year. Yeah. And I think that's a good bet. The Rangers are the type of team where you look at their underlying profile, they're so reliant on their goaltending. If something mm-hmm. happens with Shesterkin, whether he gets hurt or whether he just, just has a down off. season, yeah. because that happens all the time with young goalies. Imagine, I could see the Rangers as a team that, especially in, with how competitive the Metro is, next season, I'd 100% be willing to kind of bet against them. So if you get a first round pick, I would want to bet against them and get the 2023rd I like first. that. I'm officially yeah. changing my trade proposal to the 2023 first. Damn. Well, Harm <laughs> goes on this rant. I literally was about to rant Harman about this. Harm just wiped the floor well, with both of us. My trade proposal does have a 2023 pick instead of a 2023 <laughs> And I was like, I have this in notes about why I think it's better. But Harm just basically stole my thunder. Oh, okay. man. I think that we're past the point now. Um, I think the hockey world really is. Uh, and I hope that even like the old school hockey minds are. But like trading in division, because I'm not, my right, trade yeah. isn't with the Rangers. Mine's with a team uh, in the Pacific Division, which also right now is an interesting spot. I'm talking about the LA Kings. They're third in the Pacific right now. Uh, obviously, I had a pretty good start to the season, but they are near the bottom of the Pacific. They're not up there. I mean, they're pretty close to, to Vegas and Anaheim. They've kind of been battling with those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Kings want to do as they have such a massive prospect pool. But here's what I'm going to say. The Kings are going to receive JT Miller, uh, with 40% being retained by the Vancouver Canucks. So that means that the Kings will have 3.15 of the contract for JT Miller. The Canucks will hold on to $2.1 million of it. The Kings will also receive the Vancouver Canucks' fifth round pick in this year's draft, the 2022 draft. The Canucks, for receiving that, uh, what the Canucks will receive back, as I mentioned, Miller at 40% and a fifth round pick this year. The Canucks will receive Rasmus Kapari, who's currently playing fourth line, for the Kings, he was a 20th pick in the 2018 draft. The Kings have enough centers where Kapari is probably going to be a player that they're going to trade anyways. They have Kopitar still signed for a couple more years. Phil Deneau just signed there. Byfield's going to be there as a center in the future. Turcotte's also in the Velarde, Madden's playing more wing now. He can play center. Kapari is a guy that they would probably be willing to trade with, and he is kind of the big piece in this because he's already playing in the NHL. Like you kind of said earlier, Harm, you want to see that first prospect be someone that can grow in your organization. And like you said, you hope that you can get to the level of JT Miller. I don't think Kapari gets there, but if you're looking for a third-line center down the road to center a line of Pod Colson and Huglander, I, I like Rasmus Kapari, who's a right-shot center who can kill penalties. Really like him for the in this trade. Uh, and like I said, they already have centers, so they probably would be willing to trade this guy on top of that, another position of need is right defense, and Brock Faber is my guy. Not only saying this because we have the same last name, uh, but at 19 years old, he's heading to the Olympics, 2020 second round pick. I think it would just be a great right deep prospect to add. He's a big defenseman. He's going to play the Olympics. I think he'll gain some hype this year. Um, I would have him in the trade. So, And then on top of that, because I think those are two pretty strong prospects, and I'm curious, you guys can give your thoughts on this. I only added a second round pick in 2023. Yeah. I don't think they. I don't think you could get a first on top, but Kapari, who's already playing in the NHL as a 21 year old right shot center, Brock Faber, I think has a very bright future. And I know guys like Cam Robinson are super high on uh, on Faber, which is weird to say, <laughs> but like to add him would be, I think, huge for especially like what I looked at this trade is you can get two pieces. 
that the main pieces of this team needs a right shot center who can be your third line center down the road and Brock Faber right shot defenseman as well as a second round pick in next year's draft that you hope that the Kings maybe fall off a little bit next year and maybe that's a top 50 pick. So that's what I'm going with. And like I said, 40% retained for Miller and a fifth round pick this year. Good trade proposals. Guys. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Really good work today. Chris, do you have a prospect report before we close out? Um, Not much. Uh, what's going on in the world? Aiden McDonough's back in action, but man, I t- there's going to be a tough ride for them without Levi. I've said that on the podcast before. I don't need to bring anything else up. Um, Dimitri Zlodiev is just scoring at a ridiculous rate, scored some more goals, uh, and added some assists. Connor Lockhart still rolling a little bit. Uh, good to see him in the OHL still putting up goals. Uh, they had a little, uh, Harry Potter night over there in Erie and, um, Connor Lockhart was the leader of Hufflepuff. Wow. He was a Hufflepuff. I haven't seen Harry Potter, so I can't comment. Hold on. You haven't seen Harry Potter? Oh, my God. Have you? Yes. I was hoping you'd well, have I've read me. the books. I was hoping you'd have my back on this one. I, I usually don't <laughs> read any Harvard Harry and I Potter? usually haven't seen the same things. <laughs> but you no, seen one quite. Harry Potter movie quads? No, I've seen one of them. I don't know. Like, wow. part of it. It's been on I TV. Hope people and I'll are going to come it. at you. The people that like Harry Potter are really... Like, I'm just... I know. I, I like Harry Potter. I think it's fine. I think it's good. Like, I think it's it's a fine... If you, it's, I wouldn't... If I had to choose a series to run, I'd run Lord of Rings back. I haven't back. seen it. Okay, I've, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Lord of Rings. I knew I'd have Harmon. I knew I'd have Harmon. Y'all haven't seen Lord of the Rings? I, I, what, was the, what was the book? Um, the Hobbit. I read The Hobbit. Okay. <laughs> See, me too. Okay. <laughs> hey. The Hobbit's, what, 130 pages? That's why you guys were. No, it's, it's like it's like it's 200 pages. Yeah. It's over 200. But you guys haven't seen Lord of the Rings? No. No. Have you read the books, Chris? No, I don't care exactly. for books. Harmon and I do. You we're readers, read we're book. sophisticated. Yeah. Oh my god! I, no, you guys are. You haven't watched Lord. That's man. Three-hour <laughs> movies. Just no. Sit down. Who's got the time? You, both you, of you. If you ever want, if you ever want to feel appalled, just quiz me on all mainstream movies and just like, just you'll be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Yeah. Why don't, okay, folks. Hockey talks over. Chris, why don't you give us that quiz right now? What? All right. A quiz. Quiz. Forrest on. Gump. Have you guys seen? Yep. No. Seen it? You haven't seen Forrest Gump? No. That's like yeah. the most watched. One nothing quads. Um, <laughs> I'm planning on winning this in the other way where like I have seen less. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Titanic? Nope. Nope. Ah, shit. Have you guys seen Avatar? Yes. Nope. Saw it in theaters, New Year's Eve, 2009, two nothing quads. Okay. Have you seen, um, what's another? I'm winning two nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I'm winning here because. Have you seen uh, Saving Private Ryan? Nope. Yep. Took a film studies class in high school. Three nothing. Quads. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, I remember you took this film class. Yep. Okay. Jurassic Park. Nope. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Harman's three that one. Three one yeah. quads. Okay. Well, Harmon's keeping score the other yeah. way. So it's <laughs> right. three one. Okay. Shawshank Redemption. Yes. No. Film studies. No. Psych twelve. Yeah, that's shout out Mr. Suter Dirksen. That was my teacher. He was a good guy. Okay. The original Lion King. Yes. No. What? No. I, I'm even surprised by that quad. No, I I saw the live action one, and I saw I I am sure I have seen it. I probably saw it as a child and don't remember. But I I have never watched the animated. Okay, I'll do three I've more. I've seen clips. I actually after watching the live action one, you know how movie clips post ten clips of every movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched one through ten of the Lion King. I, I know the Hakuna okay. Matata song. I know. Wow. Uh, I know Mufasa's death and Scar going long live the king and letting go like that is. Tragic. I can't believe that was in a kids movie. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I'll say yes. I've seen Lion King. I've that seen doesn't clips. count. Okay, no, fine. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen fine. the full movie. Whatever. Right. Fine. Have you guys seen ET? No. No. 
I, I didn't think you guys would have seen that. So one, what's actually. the score here? Is it still? Four no, two. it's 3-2. It's 3-2. Three, 3-2. Two. Three, two. Oh, three, two, three, three, two? Two. I don't know. Um, Inception? Yes. No. I saw it this summer. Shout out my friend Kyle. We went to uh, his family's cabin, and I watched Inception. Great movie. I've seen The Wizard of Oz. Yes. No. Yes. I like that movie. Okay. Five, two, Last quads. one. The Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. No. Damn. This that is, was amazing. That, that was a that, I to tell you that that one is worth watching for sure. Yeah, okay. Wolf of Wall Street. I used to before I we would go out with the boys. We'd pre-drink two Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> for Saturday so nights. Hitting the clubs, you know what? Doing a little bumping and grinding. We were freaking <laughs> we were watching oh, Wolf of Wall Street before we oh, had the club. No. All right. So what was the final score? Was it five three? I had Something I had like five that. that I had seen, and you had three. Three. Yeah. Wow. How many Maybe we'll we do? do some of these quizzes at the end of episodes more. I can come up with some. <laughs> you guys are super young yeah. and weird quizzes. Just make the listeners feel old. All right. We appreciate everybody listening. For my co-hosts, Chris Faber. Hey, tell us who had the best uh, trade proposal, me or Harm? Harmon. What? Yeah, that took me like a second to think about. Yeah, I'm you sorry. You didn't even listen to mine. I did. I did. I want to hear the listeners have to say. Yeah, I think Harmon. Maybe that'll good. be our poll question. What, is mine not even in the running? No, you didn't even have one. You said McDavid and a Sweet in the... I had one after. <laughs> you weren't listening to mine. I had a good one after. See? See what I put up with. This is what I'm saying. We'll pull it. Maybe that'll be our poll question. We'll put out a better trade proposal. Whatever. Yeah, we should do that, actually. Okay, I'll put that out right now for All people. Right. I mean, I put that out at the start of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for my co-host, Chris Faber... And Harmon Dial. My name is Dave Wadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.